All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. Before we start this one, we firstly like to thank our sponsor for this episode in Fly Racing. Fly Racing is excited to celebrate its 25th anniversary in 2023, led by the revolutionary Formula Helmet featuring Rion technology. Fly Racing continues to push the boundaries of product performance and design. We would like to thank our loyal dealers and customers for 25 years of incredible service and look forward to the next 25 and beyond. Check out the new line at flyracing.com or at Fly Racing USA on social media and our athletes at Worldwide Motocross and Off-Road Events in 2023. All right, for this episode, I'm joined by the great man, Jason Thomas. How's life and thanks for joining me? All good. We, uh, we have a much-needed weekend off, uh, so this will mark the third weekend that I've been home since Christmas. So uh, <laughs> that doesn't, it doesn't sound that terrible um, until you really start to put it into practical terms and think about how much life you've been through for the past six months. Yeah. Think about, you've only been home three times on the weekend. Um, it's, it's a lot. So I'm, I'm ready to, uh, to be home and not really have a big agenda for once. So. That's that's genuinely staggering, mate. To be honest with you, so I'm someone that's pretty much I'm home more or less every weekend. That I couldn't imagine it, but um, yeah, mate. How's it been the first uh, four rounds of pro motocross? Obviously, plenty of action, plenty of storylines, and it's been good to see you out there. You know, doing your thing, mate. You you're enjoying it. Uh, the pit reporting's going well by the looks of it. I'm enjoying it on the TV, and just those interactions you have with James, Ricky, and Weege. They're they're just something that. You know, probably someone only like you could have because you know them so well. You have the experience of racing so against them, so it's it's going all well for you on your end, mate. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it um, much more than I did last year, and I would say probably more than I did for most of Supercross too. And I, I think that's just because I'm getting to be more comfortable. And uh, you know, people I've talked to about it, they're like, yeah, the more reps you get the stress level will come down, the enjoyment will go up, you'll feel more comfortable in your own skin, your performance will get better because you are allowing yourself to be yourself, your personality will come out and all that. And, and that's all true. Um, I, I can see that kind of happening. And for me, my goal has really been to just get to where I'm as comfortable as I am doing a podcast, right? And I can make jokes in the moment or be serious if that's what's called for or be insightful or try to be anyway, people would probably argue how much insight I have to share, but um, yeah, just be act according to the situation and I can feel myself working towards that. So that, that has truly been fun. And the, like there was always the scale of stress and worry about blowing it versus fun. And that was always outweighing the fun for since I've been doing it. And now that has really started to swing the other way and the fun is taking over, which has been great for me. And um, I'm just enjoying the experience more than I was before. I, I knew it was a great opportunity and I would have done it anyway. I would have continued to do it. But when it's fun also, it just really changes the the whole experience. So, uh, but yeah, on a racing level, it's it's been a really interesting year because of the fact that I you know, I went into the series thinking that, man, we have a really tough setup here. Uh, we don't have so many of the stars that make this sport great. And this has a real chance to be boring. And I think you could argue in the 450 class, we've battled some of that. There have been races where 
if you are not impressed with Jet or you're not a Jet fan, uh, you could be bored. Like, I, I, I understand it. You know, the, the battle at the front has not materialized each weekend, and, and, and Jet has put on a clinic at times. Um, but I think for me, per, speaking for me personally, to watch, it, even if I was just watching Jet alone, to watch him develop and un, kind of unfurl before my eyes and turn into the superstar that I think he's going to be, or maybe already is. Uh, that's been interesting enough to keep me engaged. Uh, then you add it, you know, Sexton was, was there. I think he may be coming back. You add in the rocks and thing, and we've gotten bits and pieces here and there, but it, it's been a, it's been a tough 450 dynamic overall. Um, I think there's coming off of last year, whether it's, uh, whichever series, you know, whichever side of the, the pond you want to talk about this 450 class was not as deep as the last decade, right? Like coming out of 2022, we had one of the best championship fights ever. And I think you could argue an MXGP coming out of 2021, you had one of the best championship fights ever. So those are really difficult dynamics to follow. No matter what happens in a series, it's going to be really challenging to match up to that. And then you get this free for all of injuries in the 450 class in America. And it's like, oh man, we were already going to have a tough comparable here. And now we've got most of the class is out and we've got privateers running in the top four, you know, like it, it's been tough. Um, so I've, I've been really trying to wrap myself in, in the jet Lawrence phenomenon. And then I was kind of starting to to find this battle in the 250 class between uh, Hunter Lawrence and, and Justin Cooper. And then that all kind of fell apart too. So it's, it's been a interesting year in the fact that maybe it hasn't been so interesting, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, there's certainly, it's good. There's definitely things you can extract out of it um, for positives and, and for entertainment. And yeah, just like you said, watching Jet ride, um, you know, even me being an Aussie, but if you weren't an Aussie, watching someone like that just ride and how they navigate, you know, situations and different tracks and, you know, pick their lines. It's pretty impressive to watch. But um, what was your take on Ken Roxon coming in on the weekend and giving him a good run for his money on that track? Because, um, yeah, the last two tracks have been extremely difficult, but that one looked an absolute nightmare. So just talk us through it from being there in person. Yeah, and, and that track was so set up for Kenny to do well. And I know from speaking to him and his team off camera that they understood that dynamic. They understood Kenny's strengths are balance and core and all these things that allow you to ride a track like high point really well um being able to traverse those ruts at high speeds and just uh manage all the off cambers that that track presents and it, on television it's really hard to uh gauge and all the depth and the the elevation change and how deep the ruts are and they're at weird angles uh, i struggle with that because i'm always trying to convey that and it just doesn't translate well to camera um the drones do a better job of it than i can really do it with the camera with you know, the television camera standing there, but even then you just don't get the, the overall effect of it. Um, it's really hard for a television camera in any capacity to do it. And even I've seen GoPros, I've seen drones, I've seen everything. It just doesn't, it doesn't do it, it justice. And uh, so I, I think that was a calculated move by Kenny go to a track that suits you really well. And yeah, 
um, exploit your talent, which he which he did. It, he added a lot to the series. He came in at a time where we really needed him uh, because if you take him out of that equation, Jets riding around by himself again all day. You know, it would have been the same exact situation. So uh, I hope he comes back for more. I think that's the plan from from listening to him. I think he genuinely had a great time. And, it, you know, it certainly doesn't hurt anything that the field is depleted, right? So he can come in and immediately make an impact. If you threw in Sexton and Tomac and Anderson and Barsha and all the guys that would make his life very difficult, I don't know that you'd see him. I, I really don't. And maybe that's underestimating his desire to be out there. Yeah. But you also have to calculate, like, he saw an opportunity, he felt prepared, and he's going to go take advantage of it. He wasn't walking into a hornet's nest of all the factory guys killing each other for a podium so that to me i'm not trying to take anything away from kenny i'm saying he's smart enough to to seize the opportunity and be prepared for the opportunity when it arose so good for him it was good for the series it was good for everybody involved um and i I think you know it it, he brought the sport a little bit closer together because now he's going to go on and do world supercross which is fine but he also showed a willingness to come race pro motocross too so any hard feelings that anyone could have had towards his choices had to be alleviated a little bit by him choosing to come out and participate. Yeah, absolutely agreed on that one. And obviously he's kept, kept himself relevant, you know, his name out there well and truly after, after not racing for a few weeks. And you never know, we might see him for quite a few pro motocross rounds if the, there's a bit of talk about a schedule change in WSX, which would, you know, be, be good for you guys, that's for sure. And good for all of us, really, because more Kenny, yep. the better in, in a lot of ways. And how good was it seeing AC back on the box? Obviously, outdoors anyway. Um, he's had a pretty rotten time of it. So many injuries over the years. And yeah, he sort of got many glimpses of just what a talented rider he is there. And he's just, a, he's an elite man to have in the sport, isn't he? To what he brings and just the humility and the sort of kindness. It's sort of like a bit of a refreshing change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot to be said for it. Um, I mean, all, all these guys have different personalities. So to see a little bit of that certainly adds to uh, to some of the character there. Yeah, and then just go through the best of the rest, mate. I guess for Anders Webb, you know, they're sort of not where they want to be and sort of coming back from their own issues. And then just a couple of words on Masterpool and, and Marchbanks, mate. Good to see those sort of smaller team slash privateer guys um, getting it done, isn't it? Yeah, it was a perplexing day for, uh, for Plessinger. I don't know exactly what went on there. Um, this was a track that I think most expected him to do well on. He's... He grew up not that far from this area. You know, Ohio, where he grew up, is not very far. It's the next state over for Pennsylvania, so it's somewhat of a home race. The ruts and the rain and the conditions all speak to what he should do well, and he just did not have a good day. Like, there's no really no other way to put it. He didn't have a good day. So that was a head-scratcher. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, Cooper Webb, that's – you hate to – I don't. I definitely don't want it to seem negative, but that's what I would expect. If Cooper Webb was going to struggle, it would be on a track like that. Um, you know, he doesn't. Ra- he hasn't raced pro motocross in a, in a minute, and I think for him, he wants a little bit cleaner conditions, and that just that track didn't speak to what I think Coop does really well. And you could see him struggling. I think he's still battling settings on the motorcycle, uh, and and I spoke with him candidly off off camera. And he's like, man, this track is so much more challenging than anything I've ridden in so long. Like you could just tell he was really struggling with the conditions. Um, and, and honestly, it kind of makes sense for what I think Coop does well in a situation he would be really, really good at. So 
Uh, most of the things I expected, you know, master pool has been a revelation. Um, even, you know, many of the privateer guys have really stepped up to the plate here and good for them. I, I think they bring a lot to it. You know, Grant Harlan didn't have quite the day that he had in Colorado, but still he goes 11, nine, you know, master pools battling around the top five all day. Uh, these privateers are, are, you know, it's easy to, to just blame the field. And there's a lot to that. Like we have to be honest, the, the field is certainly a factor here, but some of them are really excelling above and beyond that. You know, they're for Harlan to get up there and battle with Cincerillo for the better part of 30 minutes for Masterpool to do what he did in both motos at Colorado. And then again, in Mount Morris, that's not a depleted field. That's him battling with Webb and Plessinger all day, literally all day. March Bank's the same. He battled with those guys all day long. Like the lap times were the same. So I don't, I would never want a depleted field to just be the, what everybody points to for why those guys are doing well. You could say it's some for sure. Maybe you bump them up a few spots, but they're riding. The quality of their riding is is certainly good enough to stand on its own two feet. And I, I hope that most people will give them credit for that because whether they're getting fifth or ninth, the the they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And they've really, really stepped up and, and seized the opportunity that's in front of them so far. Yeah, for sure. And those achievements shouldn't be diminished by what you were saying, for sure. And uh, before we hit the MXGP chat, just uh, can anyone stop Hunter Lawrence, mate? He's just a bit too consistent for everyone at this point. It's you know, it's great to see Deegan uh, doing really well. And obviously Hampshire has his good ones and his bad ones. And same with pretty much everyone else, you know, Shimoda as well, Kitchen, Boland. They're just having so many ups and downs. But it's pretty cool to see a, a fly guy and yourself like Chance Hymas uh, doing well too. Yeah, yeah. For Hymas specifically, um, he, he's really improving. And uh, I, I wasn't sure what to make of this Pro Motocross Championship for him. I was getting really solid reports from him. I know he was getting closer and closer to Hunter Lawrence's pace in Florida. But then I watched him at the opener, and he was kind of hanging in, but then wasn't able to kind of sustain it and would make a mistake. And I'm like, ah. It's just he's, he's got a lot of work to do here to be able to do that for 35 minutes. And then from there, it's just been progression ever since. You know, he finally finishes uh, a moto there at Colorado on the podium after running top five again at Hangtown. Then he leads laps at Mount Morris. He sets the fastest lap time at Mount Morris. He, we, you know, he just does all these things that he's checking these boxes off quickly. Um, the progression is really fast here. So, Happy for him. Um, and then, you know, at the front of the 250 class, this this really nice battle was setting up between Hunter and Justin Cooper. Uh, I believe Justin Cooper's confidence was was increasing pretty rapidly after Colorado. I think he felt like he finally could go race with Hunter. And then he has this huge crash and completely deflates the whole series. And then that doesn't mean it's over, but Hayden Deegan's – you know, pretty much a moto down now. And this big fight of someone who was a veteran that I felt like could go toe to toe over the course of 11 races with Hunter is now sidelined. And we don't know if we're getting him back or not. And now it's going to be up to like rookie guys that have never really seen this before this level of a fight over this long versus this level of competition. Like they all have to be expected to put up a championship battle. And I, I don't know if that's a fair ask or not. It doesn't mean it can't happen. It's just very rare, you know, to get a guy like jet who can come in that young and, and do it is not a fair ask for most kids. 
Um, so yeah, it just really sets up nicely for Hunter Lawrence. Like he's in a, a significant driver's seat here. Yeah, it's kind of strange that uh, you know the Lawrence boys are in such a commanding position after just four rounds. It's it's probably not great for the series in in a way, but it's just like you said, mate. It's uh, it is what it is, and if if they're not getting challenged, it's not their fault, is it? So they'll just keep plugging away. And just uh, obviously with MXGP, we have got to talk about the hurling's injury, mate. Uh, devastating. It looks like it's going to be he's going to be missing more time than initially expected. Um, very strange crash. What a violent crash! It all happened so quickly, didn't it? And then obviously. You just see him riding around in agony, just trying to pick up a point, mate. So, yeah, your take on his latest setback, it's a shocker for the series and, and him in general again. Yeah, it's a bummer, man. He, uh, You hate to say that it's kind of been the pattern for him, but it's kind of been the pattern for him. Um, going into the series, I really felt like if anybody was going to beat Jeffrey, it was going to be Jeffrey. Like, that's just what we've kind of come to expect from him. He's so amazing until he takes himself out of the series. And I, that brings me no joy to say, uh, because every time I watch him race, I'm, I'm amazed at the things he can do and the determination and he can find ways to win when it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to, to figure it out. There were so many motos this year where I was like, it's just not going to work this time. And then, nope, he just figures out a way with a few laps to go and pulls it out. So for, yeah, for someone I have so much respect for, as a racer, it just, man, I, I know it has to be even tougher for him to be sitting there knowing that he's capable of winning this world championship and he's not even going to be able to compete again. You know, this isn't, if this was a first time or second time, you'd be like, yeah, well, injuries happen. Look at Tim Geiser and some of these guys. But when it's this repeating pattern of time and time again, it has to be incredibly frustrating for him and everybody, you know, that, is associated with him, whether professionally or personally to see him go through injury after injury. And what people don't see is all the, the rehab and the recovery and the training behind the scenes to get back to that level. It's hard enough to sustain it, but to go, you know, he won't be able to do a lot. He's going to lose a lot of his fitness and form and all those things that have to, you have to go reacquire all those things. And you think about how many times, He's had to go through that process. It just has to be de deflating and exhausting um, to know that you're going to have to start over from, I don't want to say zero, but close enough. You know, it's just mm -hmm. a really tough, tough thing mentally. Forget about the, the physical work. That's going to be hard enough, but the mental agony that he has to go through has to be tough. And then when he does come back, obviously he knows he's not going to be in the title fight you know, realistically. Yep. So that's another sort of, you know, thing he has to battle with himself motivation wise, but just to your thoughts on the track, obviously that was a, a very ruddy one as well. Very difficult concrete, you know, sections and they did the watering. Um, and then that brought, brings the conversation to, is there too many um, races going on on a weekend, too many classes? Do they need more time for track prep and maintenance? Um, your take on it all, mate, obviously, like you were saying on the weekend, hard to convey the message when the ruts are like, you know, you lose people going through them pretty much. You know, you, if you're standing in a certain section, you'll, you'll miss a rider and they'll come up the other end almost. So, yeah, just your opinion on that. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, the track started actually pretty nice. Like when I was watching the first MX2 moto of the day, I was like, oh, it's, this is pretty good for a track that I really would not want to race on. I just, it's fine to watch. I just, I know myself as a racer, my tendencies, my strengths, weaknesses, I would really struggle at that racetrack. In the first MX2 mode, I'm like, oh, I would be okay. In this dynamic with this traction and this 
particular time of the day, I would be okay. But then as the day progressed, it went to the typical Teutschenthal that I know and remember and would dread. Um, ruts that went from pliable to really hard that didn't give anymore. Then you get these mixed in rock hard places that the tire wants to spin up, which is what happened to Jeffrey. And yeah, it's just a really tough track to kind of handle. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one, I don't mind watching. I don't think I would ever want to race it. Um, uh, but it, again, again, for the MXGP championship, big picture, this is one of the upsides or one of the things that makes it great is it offers so many different types of challenge. And this is one of them just because I don't like it or wouldn't be good at it. Doesn't mean that it's not a great addition to the series. It's just not one I would particularly enjoy the, the skill set that it requires is not one that I had in spades. So um, there's, I think there's something to be said for both sides, just because I don't like it doesn't mean that it, it doesn't add to the series and make it more well-rounded. So, you know, those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah, it's absolutely. And like you always say, in those conditions that the option is to roll off if, if you're not feeling that comfortable and someone that, sort of uh, is a testament to that theory is Prado. He, on his, not on his so good days, I think his worst um, finish is sixth in a moto, fourth overall, I believe. And, you know, he just manages it so well and he did it again on the weekend. The only man that's had the red plate all series, it's just so consistent, in control, nothing silly, limiting risk, really well balanced again, mate. He's just in a good place with everything, the bike, the training, and then the winning six of the nine qualifying races, six whole shots, haven't missed the overall podium just once. Your take on Prado, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I feel about Prado, and these, these two things won't make sense on the surface, but I feel the same way about Prado as I do about some of the privateers that we previously discussed. Just because, uh, you know, Jeffrey has had struggles and he didn't do well in some of the qualifying races has nothing to do with how great Prado has been. Because I, I think Prado has been an underrated story because he's led this thing the whole way for the most part, you know, and everyone, myself included, talked about Jeffrey this and Jeffrey that, but the whole time, Jorge has been sitting in front of them in the points. You know, he, he's just been sitting out front there doing his own thing. Even in his bad motos, he's managed the damage and he's been your championship leader. So I, I found myself getting caught up in the Jeffrey story. Meanwhile, you know, Prado has been sitting there with his hand up going, Hey, you, you guys remember me? I have, I'm the one with the red plate out here and I'm having my, the best season of my life right now. Like maybe we should talk about me a little bit. So I don't want, the it would be a travesty if Jeffrey's injury defined this series and Prado's championship because I don't think that Jeffrey's injury is necessarily or the reason at all if Prado ends up being world champion. Prado was leading the points before, he's leading the points after. So do I think Jeffrey was going to find a way to win it? Maybe, but I don't have a lot of evidence to support it because he wasn't able to pass him in the points when he was healthy. So you know, I know there was a, there were mechanical failures and there were things involved, but Prado did was doing enough. He was winning qualifying races when it mattered. He was finishing on the podium. He was pressuring Jeffrey. Even when he wasn't winning, he was giving Jeffrey every bit of business that he wanted most of the time. So I don't know. That's just one thing. And I haven't really been pressing the Prado side all that much, but I, it dawned on me the other day that it could absolutely end up being that way. 
if it's not, if the wrong idea was put into somebody's head, they'd be like, yeah, Prado won because Jeffrey got hurt. And that's not fair. I don't believe that would be justification for Prado season at all. You could say we got robbed of a championship fight. And I would be like, yeah, that's true. I, I do agree. That's true. Uh, but Prado has done everything that he's been asked to do. And was I think he was ready to take this thing all the way to the end with Jeffrey either way. So I just wanted to put that out there because I know myself, I had made my own storylines about this series about Jeffrey and not enough about Prado, um, basically from the jump. Yeah, he absolutely deserves all the credit he gets. And he openly said that, you know, I'm facing, or before the Germany accident with Hurlings, he said, I'm facing the best, probably the best motocross rider in history, 103 GP wins. And I suppose I've been able to put pressure on him and beat him regularly. So maybe if you're looking at between the lines, he does deserve more respect than he was getting because what he was doing is nothing short of impressive. And just how do you think uh, now with the hurlings out and he got such a massive lead over Fevre, do you think it's just a really sort of more of the same, maybe even more cautious approach to Indonesia? Cause that's um, there's no need to do anything silly, is it? Yeah. I, you know, I think he needs to remain with a sense of urgency because there, there's simply too much racing left. And if you, find yourself in any sense of complacency. Um, that's a, that's a dangerous thing that you don't want to, you don't want to get involved in that. You just want to keep the pressure on these guys, you know, guys like Febra and these guys are making mistakes. I think Febra crashed in both races at, um, in Germany. So you want to keep the pressure on and, and build the biggest points lead you possibly can, because you don't know as a racer, what's going to happen. Things, you know, you're, foot peg could break you, you all these things that could go on and you'd be like man if i had just pressed when i was settling in the middle of the season none of this would matter i'd have a huge points lead and i would have cushion you know but i took it easy and i allowed some of these guys to get some momentum and now i'm in a dogfight because something unforeseen happened and i also am a big believer that if you don't stay engaged and you let your mind wander a little bit the the chances of a mistake or something silly go up and the more locked in you are and, and on your game you are um, I, I think you just stay more yeah you stay more in the moment and uh, the less likely something catches you off guard you know I, I've seen so many people do silly things when they are just not paying as much attention and it would be easy to be like well I'm going to win this championship now I've got this dialed and and really take your foot off the, the you know accelerator pedal here and get yourself into trouble so I don't think he will. I think he wants to win. I think he feels that he's the best guy and he's got a lot to prove in this MXGP class, both win wise and, you know, stats and records and all that stuff. He hasn't seen enough success to have any sort of legacy just nailed down. So I think this is his moment, right? Like these are the seasons where you long-term start to define your career. Um, so I, you know, if I was, if I was advising him, I would say, Hey, yes, we're in a great spot championship wise but ask yourself this if if this was tony Cairoli or jeffrey hurlings or the best of the best what would they do they would go up and rack up every win possible right if this was ricky carmichael i promise you he'd be trying to win every single moto every qualifier when the opportunity is there don't walk through the door blow it off the hinges you know that's how those guys went about their business and that's why they became the best ever right they didn't coast their way to championships they just decimated everyone on their way to championships. I like that, mate. It's really cool uh, insight provided there because it's, you know, keep the foot on the throat, keep pushing and, and sort of double down on it. Obviously, 
you, you probably think about things like, you know, guys is out, Hurling's now out, a lot of the other guys aren't performing at their level. Um, you know, just make the most of the opportunity while you can, but at the same time, you can't you can't settle, can you? So I liked hearing that, mate. That was great. And just your actual thoughts on Indonesia going there. Obviously, there's a lot of um, divided opinion about it. it. It is cool they take the series around the world and they've obviously taken steps um, to help with the with the freight costs for some of those smaller teams. But yeah, the low entry lists aren't always a good look, but it's not so bad because you can't really see that on television, I guess. But And I was talking to AJ, you know, Jasikonis yesterday and he was saying the only thing, like he said, it was cool. The people are great. It's it's cool that goes over there. But he always felt a bit worried about getting injured there and the treatment and the facilities on offer, especially when those places might be remote wherever you go across the world. So obviously the, the money's there for the series. The government's there, pay them good. And there's, there's a lot of bikes sold over there and a lot of gear, I guess, for, which is great for sponsors. Um, then the challenge of food poisoning and, and the heat as well. It, it definitely throws up a few spanners, doesn't it, mate? Yeah, it's a heavy ask all the way across for these guys. The, the travel, the, the tax that you you know you weigh on your body traveling that far. Um, the things you mentioned, like food poisoning, would be a, a really serious risk. I would probably take all of my food with me. Water, ways to prepare food. I just wouldn't leave anything to chance that I possibly could. Um, and you know, I I have a lot of experience traveling into third world countries and whatever. You just want to try to remove as many variables as humanly possible, right? Like if, if you have a really good team that, that is well-funded, you take, you know, try to take some sort of medical staff with you, right? Like take someone that you trust to give good medical advice in the moment, right? It's what's going to cost you 10 grand or something for a multi-million dollar team to have them there. And, and it's, it's not impossible to do. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the series has some sort of traveling staff, but, I always just try to take as many of as much chance out of the equation as possible. And some of it, you're not going to always be able to remove, but uh, the more prepared you can be, the less things you have to worry about because no, we thought ahead and we're prepared for that. Um, um, the better. And they have experience with these rounds. They've done it before. Uh, but yeah, the, the food poisoning to me was the one that immediately popped up. And I think you can just remove that. Take, take, whether it's prepackaged food or food you can make there. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I would go about it. My, my diet's so basic anyway that yeah. uh, I could probably get by with, with stuff I would do on my own. Um, yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't, whether it's food poisoning or not, you always hear about riders having issues with food and getting sick when they go to these races, whether it's Turkey or Indonesia or wherever. Um, and that can just be different cuisine different ways of preparation it doesn't have to be food poisoning it's just your body is not accustomed to that sort of food or the way it was prepared or the you know bacteria that might happen to be in the water that is perfectly fine for indigenous people there but for you coming from europe it's not um, and those are all things you kind of have to think about beforehand yeah and even just you know washing vegetables with that water and then you get sick it's just tough isn't it yep you know, obviously, yep. it's pretty funny. Like, you hear the old cricket player, Shane Warne, that's, you know, sadly passed now. He used to take, like, baked beans when they, when they went to India just to try and limit the risk, like you say. And so there'd be a few, obviously, healthier options than that, I'm sure, mate. But, yeah, that'd be the way to go, I reckon. And who do you think uh, – do you have any sort of predictions for MXGP this weekend? Um, do you favour someone like Ruben Fernandez to get back on the win and get back, you know, keep up his consistency because he's doing a really good job at the moment? Um, riding in a lot more uh, controlled, measured, consistent way, which is 
kind of uh, nice to see. There's sort of not as much flash. It's, he's just putting in the work and, and doing a great job without Geyser, who, who obviously has announced that he'll be coming back at Lockett. Um, pretty interesting. We got we got sort of mentioned in a post about how the, how the national media in Slovenia like came to his facility and covered that news. So it's amazing what what a big star he is there. Um, or do you think you know Fever or Sura are the, are the men to beat this weekend? Yeah, I, I love the fact that guys just coming back. The, the series needs him, right? With with one going away and Jeffrey for a bit, we're going to insert another world champion into the equation here in a few weeks. So that that certainly helps, even if he's not going to immediately go to the front. It it's just more depth, uh, which which helps. It adds to the storyline. Um, Sewer, you know, I, I think Sewer's back to form. Right, his his start in the second moto basically killed his chances at. Uh, securing an overall at uh, in Germany, but he's back to form, and I think he's going to be a factor to win every time he lines up from here. Um, Febra, he's riding well, but he has to stay off the ground. Like that's just pretty obvious. You know, he would. I think anybody and he himself included would agree that you're not going to be able to beat Prado or any of these guys really if you if you crash. Like that's just not going to work. Uh, I was impressed by Koldenhoff's second moto. That was. Uh, it's a really strong ride. I know he was frustrated coming off the track, but I think he showed everybody a lot. Um, I believe he's in a contract year with with Yamaha, so I don't know where that leads, but I can tell you with pretty good authority that if you lead motos and, and are up front more times than not, it's going to help. Um, I, I feel pretty confident in that uh, synopsis. I know that's brilliant analyst a- analysis, but in all seriousness, he's really well paid and to continue that trend of being one of the higher paid riders in MXGP, you need to prove that you can win. That's just as simple as it gets. So uh, I thought that was a pretty powerful ride from him. And Fernandez has been great. Um, I think he's doing what he needs to do, stay around the podium, continue to show HRC why they hired you, that you can be a podium guy in MXGP. I think that's enough for him. And the last guy I wanted to mention that I was really impressed with was uh, Mitch Evans and, and yep. just being back in the mix, right? He, it's, it's a guy that I've been not necessarily vocally critical, but I've always kind of like been like, man, I don't know if this is going to work. He can't stay healthy. It, he's having a really tough time putting seasons together. Uh, but to see him do well on the Kawasaki and be up there battling with his teammate, um, I thought that was a really positive step. So I was happy to see that. And uh, I think he brings a different element to it. He brings, you know, uh, an uh, Aussie into the fight, um, which we need, right? We need that global presence. So, uh, so yeah, it was, I was, I like that out of him to see him back up there. And in the same breath, uh, Albi Ferrado should be mentioned too, because he continues to impress me. I never expect him to do the things that he's doing. Um, he's passing hurlings and qualifiers and doing all the, and I'm just like, yeah, he's just one of those guys where I've been wrong a lot. Like, I just didn't think he was capable of this level, and he's sustaining it, like, time and time again. You know, give him a, a hard pack track where he feels comfortable, and he can be a top-five threat. He really can be, and uh, that's just not something I would have given him credit for very long ago. Yeah, he's been a really, really nice surprise in a lot of ways. Obviously, he's obviously really talented and, and he's got no worries pushing it. He's a fun rider to watch just with him being bigger and his, his personality is great too. And yeah, there, there might be an outside bet for some of those guys like Ferrato and Evans and Valandron to, to sneak onto a podium in, in the Indonesian rounds. Obviously, the field's a little bit weaker and it'll certainly be interesting to see what it throws up. But uh, 
Onto the MX2, mate, quickly. Uh, it should be an absolutely fascinating round to see who can sort of gain the supremacy. Obviously, Adamo's taken on the red plate, and he, he mentioned in that documentary series by the MXGP that it's weighed pretty heavy on him the first time he got it, and he didn't really handle it too well. So he sort of, you know, did what he had to do in Germany, and, and obviously Yago and Kai, you know, battling with their injuries valiantly just to pick up points. It was a bit hard to watch, but it's quite staggering how quickly, especially Yago, got back Um He'll be pretty happy he picked up some points and maybe have another assault on it. And then obviously you've got Benestant, who he's a bit up and down, but he's definitely been trending in the right direction recently. So how do you see it playing out? Well, it's it, being half serious and half kidding. When I look at this MX2 class, I'm like, well, do any of you want to win this championship? <laughs> uh, like, It's almost like they're they're trying to not win it. Like, How, how can they conjure up some sort of issue that's going to keep them from taking charge in this championship? And of course, that's not, I'm being facetious, but they've all had so many problems. You know, Yago's back, but he is coming off of a broken arm. Then I felt like Kai had a real opportunity to kind of take charge and be the man. And then he hurts himself and puts in a subpar result because of it in Germany. Uh, Adamo has kind of been hanging around, but he, you know, he's been the points leader, but he's not really going to the front, like he's letting his teammate get the best of him in Germany and get his first win where he was, you look at race one, he's sitting there pressuring Everts relentlessly to get by. And then not, not only does he lose the toe, can't get around him, they pull away from him and run off and have their own battle at the front, right? And so I, I felt like that was a really big miss from him is like, I felt like he had the pace to go up and try to win or, or challenge Kunin or at least get second. And not only that, he dropped off the pace of Van Mostijk for a while and Everts. Um, they both pulled away from him in that moment. So it's just missed opportunities. I think it comes with the territory of most of these guys being so young. It's it's a part of it. Uh, but at some point, one of these guys has to kind of decide that this is their year and go get the thing. Because if they don't, I think Yago will come back and make them really regret it. You know, he's only – 50 or 60 points down, something like that. It's not a lot of points with how much parity there is in this class. You give him a few one ones over the course of a weekend or one 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 over the course of a few weekends, and that 50 or 60 points goes to zero really fast. Uh, because, like I mentioned before, it's not like these guys are going 2-3 every single weekend. They're going 2-11, 17-3. You know what I mean? Like that's – that's what's happening in this class. And that opens the door really quickly for get big gaps and points to be, to be closed down. So I don't know who's going to win this thing. I, every time I felt like there was something developing as far as a trend or a real pattern that, you know, somebody who's going to break out and really make this their championship. It doesn't seem to go that way. Someone hurts themselves or, you know, we get a surprise winner and Liam Everts or whatever seems to be the case, you know, Benestant, I really thought, he should go out and, and win in Germany. This is your perfect opportunity. The best guy in the class is Yago. He's nowhere near ready to go win. This was a race you dominated in 2022. And then I watched him race and it looked very uninspired to me this, you know, last weekend. So I, I don't know what to make of this class other than they're really young and they haven't matured or, or got that. They haven't gotten that killer instinct yet to really be a closer in this championship. So it's interesting on that level as the door's wide open for anybody. You know, like Kunin, you have to feel bad for because he has tried to be that guy several times and his bike has let him down. Um, that's not his fault. 
and he should be much more of a factor in this championship than he is. But yeah, you take away a couple moto wins and yeah, you lose, you know, 50 points there. It's, it's really tough to make that up and, and be a factor here. So uh, hopefully in the end, as a, as a, on a purely entertainment level, hopefully we get more of this because it's great for watching. You don't, you truly have no idea what's going to happen. A rider could win or get 10th and you just shrug your shoulders and say, yeah, all right, well, I don't understand how that happened, but maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, it's been the racing's been absolutely brilliant, and the, and the battling in those motos, and you know, in Germany and and especially in France, that was just a, you know very memorable motos there. And yeah, you even think of Mikkel Harup, he's he's making some good strides. Um, on that WZ KTM, like he came from thirtieth to eighth, matching with those top fast guys in lap times in the second moto, he was right up there. So and Langenfeld is back too to to put himself amongst it. So it'll be another great weekend of racing, mate. And um. Yeah, just any final thoughts from you, mate? What are, what are you up to for the weekend? And uh, looking forward to Red Bud, no doubt. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping I don't do much of anything this weekend. Um, <laughs> no, I just, you know, the, the funniest part of it is that I will enjoy just waking up on Saturday morning and Sunday morning at my house. And if I go to a lake or a pool or relax with friends or whatever, that's all great. I'm, I'm totally open to doing all those things. But the simple fact of not traveling, you know, because the U.S. is really large, right? So I'll get on a plane and it's an eight to 10 hour travel day to go from one side to the other. Like it takes up your entire day on Friday and then most of uh, on Sunday again. Um, so you lose the better part of two days a week traveling. And that's just a lot. It's a lot of your life that's soaked up getting from point A to point B between airports rental cars, you know, driving to the hotel, all those things. Um, so just to not deal with any of that, wake up and and have a chance to kind of decide my own fate on the weekend will be, uh, yeah, that's that's plenty. Yeah, mate, it must be so draining. Yeah, it'll be a pleasant change, mate. And um, yeah, before we let you go, we'll just shout out to Fly Racing who are excited to celebrate this 25th anniversary led by the revolutionary Formula Helmet featuring Rion technology. Fly Racing continues to push the boundaries of product performance and design. We'd obviously like to thank all the loyal dealers and customers for 25 incredible years of service and look forward to the next 25 and beyond. Check out the new line at flyracing.com and head to Fly Racing USA on social media and check out all the athletes at World Ride Motocross events off-road in 2023. Thanks again, JT, and all the best, mate. Have a great weekend. Look forward to speaking next time. Sounds good. Thanks, Ed.